welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. Today I have with me Beth the Bard. If you'd like to introduce yourself to our audience. <laughs> Hello, I am Beth the Bard, as previously stated. Um, <laughs> I uh, wrote She is the Ancient, a gender-bent curse of Strahd, and am a professional game master to lots and lots and lots of teenagers, and also the co-creator of TTRPG University. I don't remember anything else going on at the moment. I, I immediately blanked. <laughs> and I have to say, and our listeners don't see this, but I have to say you're like back shelf. Fucking immaculate. That's beautiful. Um, I don't know what you did. Is that are those like IKEA shelves? Are those like a little bit like something else or like what well, are they're they? IKEA shelves? It's the, okay. the Billy collection. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, like because I'm you know, I'm moving to like a new office or whatever, and like obviously I have these like two pillars here that some people might have seen if you've seen my YouTube videos. But like I need like a center. I need like a, a center because I don't know, like I need like a maybe I could do like a low shelf you think like a, a low shelf back there mm -hmm. um i need more shelf space because i'm like i'm like running out of room as you can see like that one's almost full um and that one is getting full um but you yeah. can never have too much bookshelf space yeah i i've turned into one of those i've turned into one of those collectors because every time i like because i always read stuff on pdf first but then um i end up like liking something so much i'm just like i would really like to just like curl up with this book and like enjoy it like outside on the porch or something mm -hmm. and that's that's genuinely why i buy like physical books now is because when i take a break or something and i want to read i just read ttrpg books um and i just go lounge somewhere is what do you use your ttrpg books for besides good decoration mostly decoration there's a couple of them holding up my lopsided desk downstairs um mm -hmm. <laughs> i I, when I do read, like, I do sit and read them physically, but I first, um, I put them into, uh, the Speechify app from whatever digital source I got them from, and I listen to them first, because, um, you know, ADHD, I gotta be able to, like, move my body and do stuff while absorbing, so I mostly do audiobook-style reading, um, but yeah, then... Then, uh, if I want to re-reference that I've got my physical books, I have a hard time with PDF, I can't, I just can't read things digitally. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I really struggle. I can use it for reference, but it's so difficult for me, PDF-wise, to read stuff. Um, I It's just because I like I am some form of neurodivergent. I know that I'm probably autistic. I took the rads. Um, so there's that. But then, you know, because I'm also trans, I've probably got I've probably got a lot, I got a lot of shit going on. <laughs> so um, I, I think that uh, genuinely like getting the physical books really helps me, at least because that's how I learn to read i grew up doing that so i think it's just very it's it's easier for my brain anyway um otherwise i get like distracted and i like whenever i'm writing as well i have to turn off my other monitor i have to like put mm -hmm. on like <laughs> instrumental music and like really brown noise i recommend it, brown noise <laughs> yeah <It's> like <laughs> right yeah 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 um okay so let's talk about um let's talk about gming for kids um and i've talked to a couple of therapeutic gyms, um, and some of which were uh, therapists. But let's talk about like how you got started with that and uh, your experience with that. Uh, yeah, so I'm not a therapist first and foremost. Uh, I enjoy therapeutic GMing though because I I am an educator. Um, I've spent most of my career working in schools and things like that. Uh, I homeschooled my own kids, homeschooling, I guess, because uh, it is still currently happening, but. Uh, 
it is, it's really helpful for working with kids. It's not just, um, like, I, I feel like everyone I know uses it in, like, all their adult games and stuff, but my god, is it helpful for working with teenagers, especially. So that was, that was why I, I kind of went in for that. I used Geek Therapeutics. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of them, but they're fantastic. I highly recommend them. Look into them immediately. And yeah, it's made a, it's made a big difference in a lot of my players experiences i feel okay and then um so would you say that so obviously like you were you had an official job job um doing this as far as like working for either the city or the state um and you worked with kids but as far as like transferring it to what you do now with people um and your private home games or games that you run for other companies like when you do a DD in the castle what's the major difference or some of the tools that you've been using for therapeutic gming that you think makes it that difference between working with kids and adults um well with adults you can get a little bit <laughs> a little bit more in there with uh with the stories and stuff so uh the for example a game i have coming up we're running through a new setting and story that i want to publish next year that has a lot to do it's kind of all based around childhood trauma and the trauma of also growing up and having to um, contend with adulthood, those, like, with all of that still weighing you down. And so, yeah, I can't do stuff like that with kids. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And we've all, you know, we've all talked about it. We all kind of, um, c consented and, and bought into this storyline. And they're all, they've all built their characters on it. And, you know, they have to create characters that are, either children or teenagers and they had to leave home for whatever reason i was like it could be you know because you were just out on a, a mission of self-discovery it could be a happy thing or it could be a sad thing and they did all choose um childhood abuse and i was like okay we're working through some stuff guys yeah let's do this <laughs> so um and and that's not even technically what therapeutic gming is it's more about just kind of working with people and uh and their needs and feelings and making sure that you're using consent tools and safety tools and session zero and all of these kind of things that's the core of what therapeutic gming more so is but um i'm using like all the safety things in order to kind of really dig into this stuff with this group and we're all really looking forward to it and i bought like a thousand tissues to bring to the table <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that has been a fun experience. I don't do a lot of games for adults. I have a few adult games online, and then when I go for D&D &D in a castle, I've got, obviously, my adult games there. So it's really fun to be able to go into those more kind of crap themes. <laughs> it's like, like, you know, just dig, in, dig into the stuff. Um, but otherwise, it's, with the kids, it's more about just making them feel comfortable and safe, and, uh, I get... Most of the kids in my groups are neurodivergent, uh, LGBTQ. I have half my kids in all my groups are trans. Um, I have I've had a lot of autistic kids. I have one whole group that is they, they're just all very autistic. And it's it's delightful <laughs> having them all at the table together. We're all learning how to work together and not yell over each other and all that, you know, so it's like that's what it's more focused on in in those spaces right that's that's super cool um i know that for i i've had some i've definitely had some of my most i think vulnerable moments at the table i think one of the 
one of the places that I found that I was actually, you know, I did the, I did the like normal trans thing, um, in which I like when I was growing up and playing a ton of role playing games and stuff, I always played women when I was a write when I was writing stories, I always wrote like I would have like one really boring vanilla masculine character as the point of view. And like literally 90% of the characters were women. Um, and for me, like kind of uh, finding out that I was trans um, role playing for me, once I realized that was allowing me to, I guess, connect in a way consciously instead of just subconsciously with um, the femme experience or the things that I wanted to work through because I grew up in a home that was um, definitely not accepting of the gay um, so yeah, I, it was definitely just not a safe environment for me to, to come out, um, because of my, um, parents' upbringing, or at least my, my dad's. Um, so I think it's been like a pretty fucking wild two, two years kind of since I came out thinking about it. I got triggered the other day watching Glee. Like I was, <laughs> I had missed the Glee boat. <laughs> And I watched Glee, and we saw that episode where that kid came out to his dad, and his dad said those nice things to him, and like, I just started sobbing. Like, it was it was really nice to see. I don't know. Um, I definitely think that there's um, there's a lot of value in that. As long as you can feel safe being open, I think that was at least my issue uh, growing up. Was I never felt safe enough to explore those things so i can't even imagine yeah just being a kid and like role-playing and like finding those go ahead yeah i was gonna say and it's amazing that that's mostly what therapeutic gming is right creating a safe space that people might not otherwise have which is just is wild to me as a parent right because like i also grew up in a very um i won't get into it. it wasn't great right um but me with my kids it's like like two, um, one of my kids is trans and the other one is bisexual gay. She's not quite sure, but she never, they never came out <laughs> to right. us. They were just like, they just were talking about it one day. Like it was this normal thing. And I'm like, yes, we did it. We created a space of safety. They don't even understand what the idea of coming out is. So, and wow. that's, yeah, it's just, uh, bringing that to the table, making it a safe space, respecting pronouns. Um, just making a space where you can feel like you can be yourself. Yeah, that's that's amazing, first of all. Um, I was explaining to my... Uh, when I first like came out and stuff, and then I was like explaining to my kids, and I thought it was going to be this huge deal, but it just turned into... like I explained to my oldest son, and he, he's eight now, and he was like seven or six at the time that I explained it. But he used to just in- introduce me to his friends like, this is my dad. Uh, he used to be a boy, but now is a girl. And that yes, was it. That simple. <laughs> that it, that was Kids it. are the best. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's just wild. I don't know. I I never would have thought that that sort of like radical acceptance and love would exist for me. And I'm just very thankful for my children, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about TTRPG University. What is it, and why should people be involved or check it out? Uh, so TTRPG University, it used to be called Hashtag Game School. It was a resource I made for my students back in, uh, I can't remember if it was 2019 or 2020 when I started, like, GMing full-time. I want to say, no, because I was doing it physically in 2019. Yeah, okay. 
But I like made this website because I was like, okay, we're all going online, you know, COVID, blah, 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 whatever. So let's kind of enhance their experience. And I put that together and only used it for that. And then just in the last uh, six months to a year, I was like, I also enjoy like the adult side of the community. And I enjoy the heck out of like business and teaching business and being involved in um, entrepreneurship and K-commerce and things like that as well. So I was like, let's just mesh all the things I love right now and give it a rebrand. And so um, it's 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 moving finally. Um, it is a blog that is dedicated to TTRPGs. And there are a whole bunch of like um, courses on the way teaching different TTRPGs and how to like just really dig into those other systems. And then I've got a course on organizing yourself as a game master because ADHD, you know, organization's real difficult. Sometimes we need someone to sit us down and be like, okay, here we go. Let's talk about this thing. Um, and then uh, my partner, Jaden King, who also helps me run TTRPG University, um, he and I put together a write your own TTRPG adventure course and decided to launch it as like a live cohort where we bring 20 different people from the process of like, I want to be a writer to like, I understand what to do. And now I'm published because I wish I had something like that for me when I did She is the Ancient, but I like I did have at least mentorship because I've always been I've always been the person to pay for business mentorship of some sort. Um, and so I had somebody at least being like, okay, stick to your plan, stop scope creeping, things like that, right? And so it was like, ooh, we could do this like more hands-on and just really help people do the things they're wanting to do. My whole goal is to try and figure out how to make this community a little less gate-kept on information. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the whole, the whole hope is to get a bunch of other people involved too and just everybody share what we freaking know so other people can do the the things too and we can all just like share and depend on each other and stuff i don't know that was really long-winded <laughs> yeah um yeah say no more sign me up like where do i where do i submit stuff <laughs> yeah i would love i would love to um but you know uh as far as like why i built my platform initially it was um pro jamming and how does it work and everything like that because they started out pro gymming and then like there wasn't just enough or very much information in the start playing games community, um, which is still like burgeoning. It was still growing um, after 2020 because that's I believe when they opened 2020 was like a limited amount of GMs that just like Devin Tulik knew um, the total party kiss guy who also founded it, um, co-founded it. Um, and then after that, it sort of like expanded and grew. And when I joined uh, SPG and I started taking it seriously, um, it was um, actually shortly after we did that show together, uh, believe it or not. Um, and I was like looking into it and I was starting and there wasn't a lot of people that were interested in helping other people. It was like, I have all the secrets and you can't know like what like m magic ritual that I perform in order to get people in my games. And I was just like, okay, first of all, that's fucking weird. Um, <laughs> and secondly, I, I really doubt that some of us are so much better than the other pro GMs that um, you've got like the secret fucking sauce. So I started to help people because I, uh, I understood how I have a basic understanding of like copywriting and I do like copywriting for what I do as far as like the, um, 
the crowdfunding uh, I do or like whatever else that I'm doing. So I was helping people with copywriting and like understanding advertisement and stuff like that. And then lo and behold, as I was like helping more and more people, they were like, hey, this actually works. And I was like, it's just basic marketing. Like, it's just very basic stuff. And I <laughs> know most marketing people... 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just very basic stuff. It's, it's like a basic understanding of like how Amazon marketplaces and YouTube marketplaces work. And you just shift it because that's where our customers or our clients have been trained. So when they look at SPG, they look at it very much like they would YouTube or an Amazon marketplace. So you just have to sort of shift your advertisement to fit that template. And then once you do, then you'll get people in your game. Uh, because if you ignore those basic rules that you're not going to overcome, like the training that Amazon has just pounded into their skull or YouTube, because that's how they've grown, uh, like in the past few years that they've consumed this type of media, you have to sort of shift your expectations as an advertiser to fit that mold. Because otherwise, like putting an advertisement out there saying like, hey, I'll run whatever game you want and it'll be fun. Like that doesn't fucking work because nobody understands what fucking game you're talking about, first of all. <laughs> and then secondly, like that can mean so many different things to so many different people. So a basic, just straightforward advertisement is really what people need to learn. And which because is funny. I, oh, yeah, sorry. go ahead. <laughs> I was saying, which is funny because like my approach to filling tables is actually entirely different. Because I have to persuade parents that I'm not teaching their children witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably difficult to do when you wear horns all the time, but... Right? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a very different you experience. <laughs> you take them off? Do you take them off when you talk to the parents? <laughs> I, like, no, no, I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're going to come into this fantasy experience. And a lot of times I'm like teaching parents how to play and trying to get them excited about it. So they're like, oh my God, this is great for my kids. It's like, I that's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's so, there's so many possibilities like playing with kids too. I'm really excited because um, very soon I think I'm going to start uh running the game i have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old and i have a younger kid but he's not gonna he's still yelling and shitting his pants um <laughs> <laughs> he's like three <laughs> he just turned three um but i'm very excited to run like something like lost mine of Fandelver for my kids because you can really kidify it um uh -huh. and make it and make it like a saturday morning cartoon uh any anyway so um i ran out of time to help people essentially is what happened and then i was like how do i still help people but not have to deal with like at one point when I was in SPG chat, I like had to change my screen name to like, don't ping me because I would get like 10 to 15 pings a day from people asking for my advice on like their listing or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't fucking work for you people. Like I just stop by and I it's help like, at a certain yeah. point. You got to get, you got to get paid for your time. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's where I am right now. I'm like, I, I, I know you cannot pick my brain. You cannot. I will not. Like, here's, <laughs> here's my Ko-Fi, or here's now a listing. Here's a listing. You can pick my brain. I just, I have to get paid for my time and energy because it's, it's so, so little right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And protecting your time is very important. So I ended up talking to my business coach and talking about, like, paying for business mentorship. I am in, like, a business mastermind. Um, um, I just ended up building my platform around that in, like, the podcast and the, the blog and everything um, and my Twitter threads. Those are really, like, based on... Uh, trying to not necessarily democratize, but make um, this space a little more egalitarian because I think there are so many opportunities for people, not necessarily as a full-time job pro jamming. Um, I think it's a terrible full-time job. Um, and, and I say that as someone who is a full-time pro GM, I run 
10 to 12 games a week right now. It's a great job, but it's also terrible for the non-GMing reasons. Like, it's terrible because of the uncertainty and the up and down and, like, the all of the freelance stuff that you would deal with, like, when tables fall apart suddenly or, like, people miss because of holidays. Then you're just out of pay for a week. Like, you just mm-hmm. only get paid three weeks out of the out of the month and you might really need that paycheck so like that's what i mean when i say it's a terrible full-time job it's a great part-time job though great part-time job (laughs) if if you want to run you know one to four games a week that money could change your life for the better like you could make 100 to uh you know a thousand dollars more a month and that's life-changing for a lot of people and you're doing Mm -hmm. something you like which is running games you know so um but anyway that's my spiel about it but Mm -hmm. i think it's great that you're um you're moving in the direction of like providing education to people because I think that is one of the major things that we uh, definitely need within the industry. Um, there's so much ivory tower business uh, with especially freelancing, and I have a lot of opinions about freelancing. So uh, <laughs> there's so there's such an impo- there's such a power imbalance between the publishers and uh, freelancers in that. There are so many people that are just willing to to scab. And what I mean by scabbing is not in the literal sense like crossing the picket lines, but um, you have so many people that are willing to do it for less because it is a hobbyist space. Um, That's that hard to make it as a professional space. Yeah, and it's and so publishers will reward that because they might, you know, pay uh, you know, ten cents a word or whatever, but there'll be a writer out there who writes pretty well that'll be willing to do it for five cents a word or eight cents a word or something like that. So it's, it's difficult to reinforce um, adequate pay for everyone when uh, there's such a disparity between uh, what people are willing to do. Yeah, no, I've actually, I've actually come across that. So uh, my partner and I, we are kind of launching a little tiny baby publishing company uh, with our daughter Frankenstein Kickstarter we did earlier this year. Um, uh, it's, it's very small project at the moment. Um, but we, so we actually are doing the 10 cents a word at the moment, which I was like, which was an improvement on what I was able to do from DMs Guild projects. Right. But I'm like, this is our, this is our baseline. And as soon as we can get more going with this stuff, obviously that's going to increase. Right. But I had somebody that was like, I'll do it for five cents a word. I'm like, no, what the heck? 10 is already low. What are you doing? yeah yeah the the only time i really get upset when i see like 10 cents a word which is like the consider the industry like minimum the only time i get upset is whenever there's like a company out there who's clearly making a ton of fucking money or is making enough is making enough money that they should be perhaps readjusting where that money is going because 10 cents a word or minimum amounts is really not where it should be going when you should be paying the creatives who are creating your fucking project or whatever Mm -hmm. the product is that you're selling like the artists and writers who are bringing people to buy the thing should be making more uh than what you're paying them they should be making a what is considered a living wage and i only know of a couple like publishers who are really doing that right now and mcdm is one of the few that is like doing 25 cents a word and then i think they do 30 or 35 cents a word for um uh design work um that's the dream right there like (laughs) that's the level i want to get to (laughs) goals holy shit (laughs) yeah it's it's just one of those things where it's like someone like matt 
built a platform and then is actually funneling the money uh, where it should go to create dope ass stuff. And that's like, that was Matt's intent, following through on it. And um, it's great to see. I love to see that. Um, I'm very happy for some of my uh, my my colleagues, my uh, some of the people who work on Vineyard. I have a lot of MCDM alum uh, in the Vineyard, and they're all wonderful professionals, and they work hard, and they're you know they do great work. Um, so it's and I can't imagine that's much different from like a lot of the other freelance writers that are producing stuff for all these big name companies. Because I've had people come to me and like. I'm not going to say who it was either. It's been on like on podcasts or some of my conversations with people. And they're telling me like, hey, you're paying literally three times as much as like someone who's running like a million dollar IP book. And I'm just like, I don't, why does that? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't compute. I run this shit out of my garage. Like this is this is not how the, the economics of this should work. But I don't know. It's it's frustrating. I think it's frustrating. Yeah. Part part of the thing that I think that um we can do as professionals is support more people who are indie publishers so that we have more diversity within the space so that there is more competition within the space and it's not just these people in the ivory towers who have inherited these ips or they've used their corporate money to inherit these ips to sell a bunch of books um the more indie publishers that are making it out there than the more people who are going to make a living wage because um, right now the money is 90% into two different companies and it really should not be in two different companies. It should be in more. I agree so hard. (laughs) Yeah, that would make a huge difference. Um, Okay, so let's talk about um, my my love. Uh, She is the ancient. Um, When did you start working on that um, and how was the process for you? And then um, as far as like conceiving it and and writing it, and let's talk to that first. So I was, I got into Curse of Strahd before I ever joined like the online community for D&D. I was like, oh, D&D, this looks fun. Oh my God, is this a vampire book? And my inner, you know, Anne Rice, Twilight, Mm -hmm. loving, you know, that, that teenage girl in me was like, yes, vampires. And then I was like, oh no. Oh, no vampires. And I just ended up having to, like, change things as I ran it for my table at home. And at first, and I've talked about this a few other places, too. At first, I was like, let's just make this, like, a parody thing, right? And I just gender-swapped everything across the board. And it ended up becoming this satire because the idea of, like, this damsel in distress man was hilarious to people. And I was like, why is it hilarious? Huh? You want to... You want to tell me why it's funny? Because, like, it's not funny when it's the woman, right? Because whatever. So I ended up just getting annoyed about that. And I was like, okay, we're going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to fuck with the story altogether. And then I joined, like, I discovered that actual plays and Twitch and stuff like that were a thing. And I was like, I started getting into it and I, I joined one um, and and was doing all that. And somebody in that process was like, hey, if you like doing this, you know, you can like publish stuff about it and and make money on your ideas. And I was like, what? No, it's it's Wizards of the Coast stuff. Like, obviously I can't. And they're like, let me show you DM skills. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, what? So um, it was, I discovered DM skill that spring. And then 
that like it was like August first after that was when I published it. <laughs> so I was like, cool, I'm just gonna take it all, throw it in, and let's do this. I didn't even like I used Canva to make the first draft. I was like, I'm not even gonna try. I'm just gonna like get get in Canva, like throw my ideas in here, and then get it published. And I had no idea that people would like it. Um, so that was a surprise. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I you know I first I guess ran into it because I was I was doing um something similar at the time uh you were way ahead of me of course um but I was doing something similar where I was running um Strahd as a woman and I was really enjoying that because I'm trans and um <laughs> and I was like doing that in my home game and then I ran into your uh supplement um because someone I, I don't remember where I saw it but I saw it and I bought it and I read it and I was like, this is fantastic. Um, much later, I ended up like basing like half of my business on She is the Ancient. But um, yeah, I remember having that kind of same experience with Strahd, like just looking at it and being like, a lot of this stuff isn't great. I don't like this. Um, and I made some changes to it on my own, but it was really nice to just have uh, the package of like the the PDF where I could just Instead of, like, doing all the work, I was just like, you know what? Someone's already done this work. <laughs> someone's, already, <laughs> someone's already done this work to make this, like, uh, really cool and atmospheric and, um, you know, just a little bit uh, safer and, like, more welcoming to different people uh, from different backgrounds instead of just, like, uh, who it was written by and written for. Um, so making it just more palatable for, for everyone to have a good horror experience. Um, for you writing, um, excuse the ancient, did you do that all in like one chunk when you started it? Or like, did you start like piecing this up? How long did it take you all together? So from the time I sat down in front of the computer and was like, okay, pull up Google Doc. Uh, let's try to do this uh, to Ginny D going on Twitter like, hey, she is the ancient available on DMs Guild was 30 days. Oh, <laughs> so. What? Wrote and designed and packaged and sent it off to Ginny D in 30 days. You know what? I've I've contacted Ginny D. She's fucking booked for years. So like, <laughs> no, I booked her at the beginning of the year and oh, then just okay. like never got around to. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this at some point. I'll just like book her now and okay. and then I was like, you know, life, 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 life. And then I was like, oh crap, that's coming up in a month. I think that maybe it's time to go from like playing it at the table to maybe putting it in PDF form so I have something to right. give her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. Um, that's actually not too different from actually uh, Chris Perkins writing the original. Um, I guess the rumor is that he wrote it in um a weekend uh <laughs> like he just sat down and he was just like and he just buzzed through it but um yeah that's funny maybe that's the way to write ravenloft i don't know <laughs> right big, if you don't do dream. it that way then it takes years like yeah the lamordia one i was working just took two it's ah yeah no i'm actually a it is also an ADHD thing, right? That hyper-focus. If you can get into that hyper-focus flow and, like, the world around you can acclimate. Like, I was like, the kids are taken care of and I am being fed. <laughs> I'm going to focus. And I did not leave my desk for 30 days. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. Um, honestly, that's, like, the sort of shit that I need to hear before I get back to writing um, later today. <laughs> I have a writing block I need to do <laughs> later today, so... Um, I'll be, I'll be thinking about you just, 
uh, chaining yourself to your desk when I when I write later today. Um, for for the rest of the uh, the PDF and stuff, and like getting the other bits and bolts. Um, so you did the project management uh, for it. Let's talk about that and like how that worked for you initially. I imagine it was you figuring out how it works as you went, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> the end. That's the whole story. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And you just you just found some people. So who else was like working on the project with you as far as like putting together? Did you do layout by yourself? For she, for you're talking about she's the ancient, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I did the whole thing. Oh. Okay. The first, so you and know. Then, like, <laughs> My sister-in-law, I sent off, I sent it off to her and was like, can you look it over? And she was like, I don't understand how to edit like game writing, but I'll do my best. And she like the next day sent back some suggestions. I was like, cool. My editor is Nick Stone. It's my, that's my sister-in-law. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and, um, and yeah. And then, um, I had commissioned a bunch of artwork for it already. Um, yeah, no, I just, I, I don't know. I just whipped it together. There, it, I did the layout in Canva. I did, it wasn't way. Like, very I, well edited. Like I just redid it for second edition, and I was like, "Oh my god, look at all these mistakes!" <laughs> I have grown since then. Yeah, no, that's good though. That's good. Um, <laughs> no, that's you followed the 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 journey that most creators just need to follow. Then is like just fucking put out your first thing. Just put it out bad. Like, yeah. just put it out bad and fix it later. My God, just do it. <laughs> yeah, just fucking, just fucking do it. That makes sense. Okay, I'm so fucking proud of you. Oh my God, that's, that's incredible. That's good. Good for you. Good for <laughs> you. That's amazing. Um, That's cool. And I'm really excited for, um, for the, the print version to come out. I'm so excited uh, to have it like on my shelf. Um, And just for the listeners, like if you play a game with me, um, you'll you'll find half of my games are she is the ancient games and that is because like first of all they fill really easily people want to play it um it's a very popular version of strahd um especially for you know the queers the queers love it um yeah (laughs) queers love she is the ancient um they uh majority of them are like i don't know like i say over over half of my players and i think maybe this is partially me but over half of my players are, are queers. Um, and then I think uh, the other aspect of it is just that um, Curse of Strahd has been, I suppose, done in such a way, like some people are really into how it's traditionally run because uh, that's what they prefer. Um, but it's nice to have different versions for for different people and different perspectives. So I think that's kind of the appeal of it because it's it's the same it's the same type of story. But it's it's just a, a lot less um, problematic, I suppose. Yeah. Let's talk about Dardar Frankenstein, which is uh, your Kickstarter. Can they can they pre can people pre order this thing right now? Yes, it okay. is. Yep, it's yeah. on Backer Kit. How did this get started, and what are what is it? Talk uh, about. So it was originally a Lamordia supplement called Snow and Stitched Flesh, um, <clears throat> and. We had been working on it forever, but it wasn't getting priority. So, of course, you know, when you don't prioritize something to death, then it just... (laughs) But uh, it was mostly done. And then the debacle happened in January where Wizards was like, screw everyone. And then everyone was like, I'm boycotting DM skill. And I was like, oh, no, this thing that we have put so much time and money into. Ah! (laughs) So, like I had... Yeah, there's already... Yeah, there was already thousands and thousands of 
dollars of artwork and writing and stuff put into it. And I was like, okay, no, I, I need to get, I need to get paid for like finishing this. So we decided to put up a Kickstarter and we're like, we're looking at the Lamorty content. And I was like, oh, this is all Frankenstein fan fiction anyways. Like all of it is Frankenstein fan fiction and Frankenstein is free game. So uh, we just kind of converted the content over, uh, changed the story and added some other stuff, pulled some stuff out and came up with Daughter of Frankenstein. And I was like, okay, we're going to throw this up on Kickstarter. And if we can't make at least 10K to finish this dang project, then I'm just, I'm scrapping the whole thing. I'm done. I quit. And it overfunded. So I'm like, yay, we get to finish my baby. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Um, I, uh, when's it, when's it going to be uh, shipping? Do you know? Um, the goal, we're, we're good on timeline currently. And the goal is to have it in everybody's hand in October. So that okay. they can have it like, you know, for that Halloween season right. to like, yeah. yeah. I'm not paying attention because I'm ordering it right now. I forgot to buy it. So hold on. Give me a second here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I need I, if it's a if it's a horror campaign, I need, I actually do need it. Yeah, it's for my it's business. It's the first. Um, it's it's like its own little domain of. I'm still trying to figure out what it's called, but I basically was like, I love horror so much, and I like the domains of dread, but also I need to be able to pay people, and I need to get paid for my work, so I can't do everything on DM's Guild. So I'm gonna create like my own little version of a horror place with different things going on, and uh, so I started writing up the Grim Wild, which is basically a combination of grim dark horror fantasy combined with Feywild type um, fairy tale story concepts, and uh, so Promethea, the place of Daughter of Frankenstein, is one of the locations within the Grim Wild. And then the campaign I was talking about uh, that I want to publish next year is another, it's like an island within the Grimwild as well that is more folk horror, uh, kind of Peter Pan themed. Right. So I'm that's like, let's, so, do this, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, that's so dope. I had no idea that it was uh, now your own thing and it was free of the IP. Um, so that's that's super cool. Um, congratulations on yeah. <laughs> on getting that all together. Um, I'm sure you're like in, you're probably in crunch right now, aren't you? To get this shit like finished. So much or... crunch. Just so oh. much. It's like, um, it's been 12, 13 hour days, seven days a week. And I have to remember that I have children and I'll just like pull them onto my lap. And I'm like, okay, we're having quality time. Snuggle me. I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm designing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I began to put my kids into my schedule books. <laughs> but... Like, I feel so bad, but also like. You know, they live with me full time. So I'm like, you're still seeing me. We're here. We're all we're working in the same yeah. room together. <laughs> you're playing Legos at my feet. We're good. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's fucking cool. Um, also, it's got a foundry module. Yes, I need that. <laughs> Actually, I for sure need that. Um, OK, I'm a fool and I I made two orders. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fucking fool. That's we fine. appreciate the support. Uh, I mean, like, I'm just, it's for my business, so you don't even, it, I mean, you're welcome, but, like, it's for my business, like, I'm gonna run this for my business, and people will play it. I'm so uh, excited for people to play it. I just, there's no better feeling than, like, finding out that people are running your game at their table, or, like, live streaming. Like, when I, whenever I find out that somebody's doing, like, a She is the Ancient live stream, I'm like, you... I've literally made my life. <laughs> you don't understand what a dream come true this is. So, like, I'm very excited for that to happen with Daughter of Frankenstein. 
Um, how big is the book? Like, let's talk about like the nuts and bolts of it and some of the features um, for Daughter of Frankenstein. Uh, it is roughly 300 pages. I'm actually considering going through and cutting down even more to to get it closer to 250. Um, but it is currently 300 because I love artwork. Um, I am a very visual. I think you've made the comment before when we've talked. We're like, so regular design is like this, but your design, you know. <laughs> Word count to design is like this. It's like, that's very true. I have a problem. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out where I can cut a little here and there. But, uh, yeah, it's very, very heavy on the visuals because I need that myself. And from what I understand, other people enjoy it, too. So I make for me and then other people benefit, I guess. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at, like, sort of the uh, the visuals, like the map and everything. Um, how many different locations do you have throughout the adventure? And like, is it kind of like a setting book and an adventure or? Yes. Okay. So I actually, I actually wanted to come at it more as a setting book because I'm just, I, I'm currently just really into settings at the moment. <laughs> um, and so it actually, it has, uh, at least 10 solidly written out locations. Um, I'm still trying to remember which ones we're not going to convert in, and they're going to stay over here. Some of that stuff is a little bit jumbled at the moment until um, we get it sorted when we get back from the castle. But uh, it's very, I like my locations. I like my location descriptions and, and the, the creatures and the encounters that can happen there and that kind of thing. But then my partner's very story heavy and was like, okay, we're putting in a three act story with this as well. I was like, okay, okay. So yes, both gotcha. in our weird, unique way that we're going to try. <laughs> Super cool. Um, for you and like going to to printing, I know you're like in the middle of it right now. Um, I assume that we have not done the print run because we're talking about cutting content, right? So uh, for you doing the printing, have you found like, uh, I and I know that there's, so for me, just a context for um, for listeners, I'm looking at like different manufacturers right now. And some of them, depending on how many we print, it's going to vastly change how much it costs to print each one. So for me, if I print over a thousand, it's going to cost me five dollars a book. If I print under a thousand, it's going to cost me ten dollars a book. So it's a huge difference in uh, mm -hmm. the cost, and especially if a majority of these sales eventually go to like Amazon and some of these other places or uh, friendly local game stores, uh, who I want to support, obviously. But like, they're going to want things at like a third of the cost of what they are on the shelf for my store. So it's a big difference. $5 is a huge difference. Um, what are you doing for manufacturing without like, you don't have to name anybody, but like, what are you doing for manufacturing? And like, what does that look like? And how did you make those decisions? So before I speak, I would like to go back to that moment we were talking about how like, I just threw out cheese, the ancient and was like, we'll figure it out later. Right? <laughs> right? Just I just, you know, remember, you were like, I'm proud of you. Just just hold on to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm not looking into manufacturers. We are using DriveThruRPG print on demand for for all the Kickstarter stuff uh, because I know exactly what to do, how it works. I know it's going to cost more, but I needed us. I needed a way to do this where I could give the best possible product as quickly as possible and try to save my own spoons currently because of other projects going on, other you know, really big life things. Like I'm going to be 
um, bedridden a bunch at the end of this year. And so like, you know, the idea of dealing with manufacturers and doing bulk orders and stuff, I was like, that is not something my spoons can handle this year. Um, but I would love to uh, switch some of that stuff over next year. But this year right. we're doing drive through RPG. We're going to spend a little more. Everybody's going to get their book on demand style. And I'm going to call it a huge win because it'll be published. And yeah. then I'll I'll save money later. <laughs> yeah, no, that's there's no shame in that, especially because the um the, di- the really the difficulty for small indie publishers is that we are going to be paying three or four times what Wizards pays because we don't have that long-standing relationship with manufacturers. We don't have a local manufacturer. We don't have uh basically like tens of thousands or millions of books to print. So like the costs are going to be way more for mm. all of us. And something like print on demand is actually a very good option for indie publishers for that reason, because it costs more to print. However, you don't have to worry about any of the shit that goes with it. You don't have to worry about storage. You don't have to worry about freight. Uh, exactly. Freight is an entirely different thing. It may <laughs> fuck up your life. Um, especially if, you know, ships get delayed or whatever. Uh, and I'm in, a, I'm in an apartment with four children. I cannot take a risk of having the books all come here. <laughs> right. Yeah. People are going to get their books with like little, little smiley faces drawn on them. If that happens, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I was talking with, um, I don't know if I'll, I think we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, I, yeah. I was just say, so I was talking to Andreas Walters about uh, like how he has like 20 fucking thousand owl bears right now those owl bear plushies and like that's oh the life God. that's the life of like a uh, small indie publishers like you're just sometimes you're just stuck mm. with inventory somewhere and <sighs> you gotta you gotta you gotta figure it out um, and it's exhausting like just yeah no i've 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 lived the alibaba life <laughs> i i remember that and yeah no i i can't have a thousand plushies or books or things in the house at the moment yeah that's that'd be a nightmare um yeah and i definitely don't have room either so i mean like depending on how we go for for my project i don't know if we'll end up uh finding a publisher that um all kind of aligns with our values and then also is good for the business um i would prefer to i think but we'll see how it goes um i might end up just making a bazillion runs to the post office i don't know at this point um so we'll we'll find out we'll find out soon enough <laughs> Right, um, we, uh, we're figuring out as we go, and um, once we learn all the things, we're going to share all the things, right? Like, <laughs> that's my plan. I'm like, once I figure out how I'm doing this, I'm going to just kind of, like, tell you guys how I did it, and then um, and then we'll just share things, and we'll all do better on the second round, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, the Hourglass Coven, um, this next project <laughs> that you're kind of chipping away at i am so excited about that one that is dm's guild obviously uh it is a wild beyond the witch light i've run wild beyond the witch light um mate, oh, at least a dozen times through at this point um both full like year and a half long like whenever it came out however long ago that was i finished a few campaigns that started then only recently and then i've also done like abridged versions of it um and i love hate the story um a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, I obviously big fan of horror and I was like I the thing I don't like about the Feywild is the whimsy for the sake of whimsy and the non-logicalness of things where horror is very a lot of things are very connected in certain ways because of things especially when you get into mystery. Anyways, that's just like storytelling stuff, right? But I was like what if we took 
the hourglass or the wild beyond the witchlight and we just made it super horror like just we're gonna we're gonna make it all horror we're gonna make it a domain of dread essentially um make it difficult as hell on the players get that whole grim dark experience and um oh no i'm blanking uh oh and then also because it's a very linear um you know it's like you got to follow these steps to get through the adventure i found ways to make it more of a sandbox curse of strahd style mm-hmm. and it has worked out really well so i'm like okay so i'm going to you know break down how i do that and then how i make everything horror based and just a fun little project that's why it's it's not getting enough love and attention right now it's because it's like that's a hobby project for me at the moment but um i'm very excited about it and i imagine you'll be able to like uh a little bit more time towards it once you wrap up and you ship uh daughter of frankenstein so hopefully yeah (laughs) yeah that'll be that'll be good um Looking forward to that. Okay, Beth, thanks for coming on today. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful. And if you'd like to check out uh, what Beth is doing or the TTRPG University, you can check the show notes um, or go to BethTheBar.com, TTRPGUniversity.com, um, and check them out, uh, see what's going on. Hi, thanks for listening. If you want to support me, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash isfriday, or you can find... Some of the work that I'm doing at vineyardrpg.com if you want to pre-order the book that we made. Thanks.